I'm very appreciative of the fact that they came to be with us in service tonight. I really am, you know, and thankful that you guys came. I want you to go ahead and open your Bibles with me at the book of Genesis chapter 22. Now, if you don't know where Genesis chapter 22 is, it's in the Bible. Not too hard to find, just after Genesis chapter 21. And if you could please stand with me for the reading of God's word. I'm going to read from the old King James. For those of you who had not been in conference yesterday, remember English is not my native tongue. I praat eindelijk Afrikaans. That's not a message in tongues. Don't wait for the interpretation. Simply my native tongue. But I'm trying to work on my English to improve my English. You get taught a second language in school in South Africa. But, you know, the passing grade was 40%. So, I mean, you know, if you got 41%, I mean, you've strained your brain. So, I just did enough to pass the grades. And so, when I got saved and I... I realized God had a call on my life. Now, let me just back up a little. When I started my first job, uh, starting it to learn to have a trade, I had a guy work with me, and he was English speaking, and he came to me, and he said, please don't speak English. That's how bad my English was. Now, let me tell you, that's out of the ordinary for an English speaking person to do that to an Afrikaans speaking person in South Africa, but that's how bad my English was. So after I've given my heart and my life to God, and I sent God that the call on my life, and I said, God, somewhere in the future, I'm going to have to be able to minister to English-speaking people. And you heard what they say. They don't appreciate good English, God. So teach me how to speak English. So God taught me from the Amplified Bible. Now, let me tell you right up front, if you have a problem with my English, take it up with my teacher. <laughs> Genesis chapter 22 and from verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Let me just tell you that word tempt means test. Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him up there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and clave the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes, and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide you here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place of which God had told, told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. 
And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou not withheld thy son, thine only son from me. You may be seated. Please do not close your Bible. Our text is Genesis chapter 22 and verse 2. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee. I want to speak to you tonight. The title of the message is simply, Spiritual Sons and Spiritual Daughters. Spiritual Sons and spiritual daughters unto the spiritual father and mother God has given y'all. Now, you didn't think I could say y'all, did you? But Abraham is a father in the natural, but he's also a type of a spiritual father. Isaac is a son in the natural, but he's also a type of a spiritual son. And with that in mind, I want us to go and have a look what is really happening in Genesis chapter 22. Now over the years I've come to learn that most of the time when a preacher would speak to us from Genesis chapter 22, he will always just make reference of Abraham. Always just make reference to this great man of God, this great man of faith, this great man of obedience. Hardly ever would they speak to us from the life of Isaac and see his contribution to this whole chain of events. Come on now. You see, my brother and sister in Christ, what we need to understand that in this chain of events, Abraham taking Isaac, his son, in this chain of events, there is a spiritual revelation to the church, a spiritual revelation of spiritual sons and spiritual daughters unto a spiritual father of for whom there is a very great need in the body of Christ today, more so speaking about the local church. I want to make a statement, and you might not agree with me, and that's fine as long as you know I'm right. There is a tremendous need in the church today for spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers and spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. There are way too many pastors unto church members and there are way too many church members unto pastors and very few spiritual fathers and mothers unto spiritual sons and daughters and very few spiritual sons and daughters unto spiritual fathers and mothers. The fact that I have studied theology to become a pastor, that didn't qualify me as a spiritual father. You see, just like I had to make a decision from my heart on the 1st of January 1983 to give my heart and life to God by accepting Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, likewise, I had to make a decision from my heart and say, God, I don't just want to be a pastor unto church members, but I want to become a spiritual father unto spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. Now, you might have done 
everything that is required of you to become a member here at the woods. I mean, some of the larger churches, they even have membership classes. I don't know if you have to take a test afterwards, but you might have done everything that is required of you to become a member here at the woods. But that does not automatically make you a spiritual son and daughter in the house. You have to make that decision from your heart to say, I want to grow beyond the point of being a church member unto a pastor to the point where I become a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter unto the spiritual father and mother God has given us in this house. And let me tell you, to be a spiritual father or a spiritual son and daughter, it's got nothing to do with age. It's got nothing to do with age, but it does got everything to do with my spiritual stability, my spiritual maturity, my attitude, and my willingness to become. Can I repeat it? You see, to become a spiritual father, to become a spiritual son and daughter, it's got nothing to do with age. I, I can drive you up to Calhoun, Georgia, and I can introduce you to David and Teresa Evans, and they're both older than what I am. But the moment I would introduce you to David and Teresa, David, most probably the first thing he would tell you of me is, this is my spiritual father. This is my mentor. You see, it's got nothing to do with age, but it's got everything to do with my spiritual stability. Your walk with God cannot be like a roller coaster ride, and then you think you'll become a spiritual father or a spiritual son or a spiritual daughter. It's got to do with everything with your spiritual maturity. And I'm going to make a statement here, and you might not like it, but I have not come to preach what you like. I've come to tell you the truth. Christianity, listen very carefully, Christianity meaning to be Christ-like in the United States runs a mile wide but an inch deep. I said it in the conference yesterday, I'm going to say it again tonight. You see, for me, the number one sign of spiritual maturity, it's not how long you've been a member with a congregation. It's not how well you know the Bible. It's not how long you can pray. But the number one sign of spiritual maturity is, can you agree to disagree without allowing the disagreement to affect the relationship. Now you think about it tonight, how many relationships that you have been in. I mean, even with your mother-in-law got severed because you could not agree and you did not know how to disagree. Hello? How many people have left local churches, whether it is uh, Pentecostal churches, whether it's charismatic churches, whether it's Reformed, it doesn't matter. How many people have walked out of a local church because they did not know how to disagree and not allowing the disagreement to affect the relationship. They did not know how to disagree because they wanted it my way. Now, thank God it doesn't happen around here. And my willingness, my willingness to make that transition from being a pastor and to a spiritual father from a member to a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter. 
Now the word of God teaches me that Abraham as the father is the one who received the instruction from God. Take Isaac, your son, your only son, and sacrifice him unto me. Isaac knew nothing about it. Isaac didn't see when God spoke with Abraham. Isaac did not hear when God spoke to Abraham. You see, unfortunately, church, so many times if we do have somebody that preached to us from the life of Isaac or they make reference to Isaac, they want to portray Isaac as a little boy. Not true. You see, Isaac is a type of Jesus Christ. Read with me Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, 2, and verse 7. Verse 1, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, and he said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell you. Verse 7, And Isaac spake unto his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? You, you don't ask these questions if you know what is about to happen to you. You don't ask these questions if you know you are about to become the burnt offering. And like I said, unfortunately, so many times, you know, they try to portray Isaac to us as a little boy. But to be a type of Jesus Christ, that's like, Abraham was a type of God the Father, and Isaac a type of Jesus Christ. Jesus carried his cross. Isaac carried the wood that was going to be used for the burnt offering. Listen to very carefully verse 6. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both went together. How much wood do you think would he have needed to sacrifice Isaac? That shows you his bodily strength. He had to be at least the age of 30 years old. It shows you his bodily strength that Abraham could take all that wood that he was about to use and lay it on Isaac. And just like Jesus carried his cross, Isaac carried his wood, this wood, to the place where he was going to be sacrificed. And for those of you who have never noted, Isaac never came down from the mountain. You see, church... You don't sacrifice a human being by just using a few sticks of wood. But when they came to the place that God showed Abraham, he said, this is the place. Here I want you to build me an altar. And here I want you to take Isaac, your only, only son, and sacrifice him unto me as a burnt offering. You have to see the willingness. Look at the attitude of Isaac. There was a willingness in the heart and in the life of Isaac to lay down his life for that which Abraham had heard from God. You see, wherever I go, I try to encourage people. I said, we have to be more than just a church member unto a pastor. We, just like Isaac, needs to become a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter 
unto the spiritual father and mother God has given us. And there ought to be a willingness. There ought to be a willingness. There ought to be a willingness. Oh, you're not getting it, so I'm going to say to you in my native tongue. There has to be a willingness to lay our lives down for what he has heard from God. That's why so many of the congregations today is going nowhere slowly. I minister in an average of between 45 to 48 churches a year. And because of relationship being established over the years, I can honestly tell you, I go back to at least 95% of them every year for I've been ministering in the United States for 20 years. And out of that 95%, I can tell you at least 90% of them are shrinking numerically. And every time when I would sit down with the pastor, he would share with me what has happened, some of the things that has happened in the congregation why some people left. And then I realized first and foremost their own spiritual immaturity. They did not know how to agree to disagree without allowing the disagreement to affect the relationship because they wanted it their way. And then secondly, I realized the only thing they've ever been is a church member seeking for it to be my way. Abraham was the one who received the vision. He's the one whom God spoke to, not Isaac. Remember what I said in my introduction, Abraham is a father in the natural, but he's also a type of a spiritual father. Isaac was a son in the natural, but he's also a type of a spiritual son. And so because of that becoming a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter unto the spiritual father, we ought to spend time in prayer for this man and woman. That we call our pastors so that they may hear the heart of God. They will have an ear to hear what is God saying for this body of believers. What is the direction that God wants us to pursue? What is God's dream for this body of believers? What does God want to accomplish in and through this body of believers for our benefit, but it's always for His glory so that no man can ever boast within him or herself? You see, Abraham was the one who received the revelation, the vision, not Isaac. And likewise, when it comes to a local church, God will never speak to the council before he speaks to the set man of God. Because God is a God of structure. Let me see how many married couples are here. Raise your hand. He's not sure if he's married. Mm. <laughs> Come on, raise your hand. Now let me ask these married men. I know you're all very clever and you don't have to be afraid of your wife. I'm here to protect you. But let me ask you all married men, who of y'all have the day when you said, I do, how many of y'all had chosen to become the head of the house? Oh, that's a question. I love you, ma'am. She looks at him and she's waiting for him to respond. He don't want to say nothing. Let me tell you, 
Not one of us ever chose to become the head of the home because it's not a position you can choose. It is a position that you get appointed to by God. And so you are the head of the home operating with delegated authority. And so if you abuse God's authority that he's entrusted to you, guess what? He's not going to use your wife to whoop your behind. He's more than capable to do it. But let me ask you, how would you like it if God ignores you as the head of the house? And he just speaks to your wife and your wife comes, honey, you know what God tells us to do? How would you like that? We won't. We will eventually go to God and say, come on, God, what purpose do I serve? Why am I really here as the head of this household if you ignore your structure and you just speak with my wife? Why do we want it to work differently in church? Here come the council. Pastor, you need to do this. Pastor, you need to do that. Pastor, you need to do this. Pastor, you need to do that. Well, why? Because God said so. No. No. God always is a God of structure. You know, I've had so many people come to me over this. Say, I'm a founding member of this church. I say, really, was it lost? Was it lost? You didn't find nothing. You might have been part of the group that God used to birth that ministry, but you didn't find it. So you cannot claim ownership. I heard so many pastors say, my church, I say, really, when did you die for it? When did you die for it? Because if you want to make the claim and say, it's my church, you had to get on that cross and lay your life down for it. And until you have not done that, you can't claim it's my church. But I want you to know tonight as we speak on spiritual sons and daughters, God is a God of order. Therefore, he will always first and foremost speak to the set authority. He might use the council to confirm. He might use the congregation to confirm what he has spoken in his heart. But he will never override his set authority. There has to be a willingness in our hearts to become spiritual fathers. And there has to be a willingness in our heart, like Isaac, to lay down our life as sons and daughters for what the spiritual father heard from God. Many, many moons ago, like the Native Americans would say, I was still pastoring in South Africa. I can remember it was a father's day. And the lady that used to play the piano, her name is Marina. And God said, every time you preach this message, you honor her for the testimony and the word of encouragement she gave to the church that night. And she said, she came to me, she asked me, she's always been quiet. And so she comes to me and she asked me, may I address the church? Now, I want to tell you, to give a lady a mic is dangerous in itself. You never know if you're going to get it back. But if you give it to somebody who's been as quiet as she has been, it's even more dangerous. So I said, yeah, here you go. And listen to what she said. She said, church, sometimes the pastor will do things we don't understand. And our first response is like Abraham's ass. Dig our heels in the ground and we want to rebel against it. Because it doesn't make sense. Come on now. You can, I mean, if you don't want to say amen, you can say out. You don't want to say out, just be a bubblehead. <laughs> and she said, sometimes he will say things that doesn't make sense. 
And just like Abraham's ass, again, I don't know how many asses he had, but you want to put your dick, your heels into the ground. So, no, because it doesn't make sense. She said, but if you will just learn to flow with it, even when it doesn't make sense, just flow with it. And you will eventually come to understand it and you will reap the spiritual benefit from it. So many of us over the years have stayed spiritually poor because we lack the attitude of Isaac. God help us. You see, we're not willing to give up our membership. We're not willing to make the transition and say, I'm no longer interested in being a member. To be honest with you, I don't like it when churches speak about we took up new members. That's a club. But I also understand the administrative side of it in the denominations. A church member, are you ready for this? Most of the time, turns your hair gray. Because they are demanding people. I don't hear no amen there. But you see, a church member, I call them grabbers. All they come is to, what can we get? Pastor, we want to become a member here. What can the church do for us? But a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter is not a grabber. They are contributors. What We want to become members here. What can we give? You see, vision always calls for sacrifice. Always. Always. In 2003, I was sitting in my study in South Africa. I was still pastoring. And I was putting together, or I had just had finished putting together a series of sermons on tapes. And so I had to write a small biography about myself. And I said, God, I don't even have a name for this ministry. And God spoke to my heart. He said, reaching higher ministry. I just added the international with the vision to release the potential of the church, which I do in many different ways. But vision calls for sacrifice. You just think about it. 45 different beds a year. Oh, you're awfully quiet. 45 different mattresses. I have slept all over. From the day that God released me into this ministry, I have never tried to see how much expenses I can be for a church. I've never asked for a hotel. Never. Say, Pastor, you put me in a hotel. It's your choice. And he can say I'm lying or not. When I got into Thomasville, I wrote him. I said, thank you for the room. But if you want to move me to a cheaper hotel, I'm okay with it. I've slept in hotels. I've slept in evangelism quarters. I have slept in children's rooms. I've slept on the floor in the United States. I went places I wasn't fed one meal. I stayed with people in the house. The kids throw me with food. Oh, yeah. I still believe in whooping, not paddle. Whooping. I remember Pastor James Shop, you know, I did him a number of revivals. He was the pastor of Irwin Hill up in, 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 in the Adairsville area. And one day he said to me, asked me, he said, did you ever 
Have you ever received a paddle? I said, what? He said, have you ever received a paddle? I said, what? I played deaf. He said, you know, a paddle. I said, no, I got a whooping. A paddle will never open your ears. But it always calls, vision calls for sacrifice. You see, it is a sacrifice that you're going to have to make to be here every night. It was a sacrifice for some people to be in the conference on Saturday the whole day. And sit there and behold the most beautiful man on the face of the earth and listen to him speak the whole day. You have to get on the altar. You have to be willing to lay down your life for what God wants to accomplish in and through this church for your benefit, but for His glory. Unfortunately, I've got bad news for you all. You see, while vision calls for sacrifice, and it's the Father's heart that every ministry that has been birthed by Him, because not all ministries have been birthed by God, The vision always gets attacked from the inside. Never from the outside. I remember I preached up in West Virginia. I'm not going to tell you where because just now your brother used to be the pastor there. Or maybe your brother was the church council member. And that pastor... I honestly believe when they built that sanctuary, everything they put on the inside was the best they could afford back then. But there come a time you have to replace these things. And so they redid the fellowship hall and they renovated the sanctuary. It looked beautiful. Now, I would not have put in pews, but I'm not the pastor. I would have put in chairs. And so what happens is the council members starts to stir up a rebellion against the pastor because they did not have a say in the color of the carpet. And so here I come and I do them a revival and I compliment them on how beautiful the sanctuary look and the fellowship hall look. And so when the councilmen come to find I am supporting the pastor. They stirred up a rebellion in the church and tell the people, don't attend the revival. Oh, yeah. You see, the attack always comes from the inside. People who are not willing to be spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. This is my church. This is my church. I have been here long before you came and I will be here long after you're gone. Because I will make sure you get out here. I'll tell you what, we're going to starve you to death. We're going to withhold our ties. Come on now. Am I just preaching to myself here? Attitude. That attitude is worse than the smell of a skunk. Because you're not hurting just yourself. You're hurting the work of God. We're speaking about spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. And while I've just shared with you that the vision always gets attacked from the inside, I want you to know tonight, you know, never seek after what your spiritual father and mother have in the flesh. We all have some weaknesses. We all have some imperfections. We all have some shortcomings. Oh, I had so many people over the years, and I thank God for that. 
they'll come to me and say, you know, we just love to hear you preach. I say, you need to get to know me long enough. I had people come to me, ask me, where's your church? I want to come to your church. I said, oh no, you don't want to. Because when you get to know me long enough, you will see I have imperfections too. I have weaknesses too. There are some areas in my life I'm lacking as well. Hello? So don't seek after what he and she has in the natural, but seek after what they have in the spiritual. I mean, in Genesis chapter 16, we read about Abraham. He was so afraid they're going to kill him. He said, Sarah, lie. Any one of y'all ever ask your wife to lie on your behalf? Tell them you're my sister. They're going to kill me. I mean, you know, he had a word from God. Sarah was going to be with child. But when Sarah looked in the natural at her own body because she had grown beyond the age of bearing child, she goes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I've grown old. There's no way I will ever be able to give you a child. Abraham doesn't stop her. He said, let it roll, honey, let it roll. Where are you going with this? She said, I think you need to go and sleep with Hagar. I didn't read in the Bible. He said, get thee behind me, Satan. I think he said, this must be a word from God. Come on now. So he go and sleeps with Hagar until this day we have problems with the Arabs. Have you ever wondered why the Arab nations are so wealthy? Because God blessed them. Just like he blessed Abraham's descendants. He blessed them. It's not because they're crooks. They're just living in God's blessing. So here's Hagar. Here comes Ishmael. Oh, in First Kings. Chapter 19, we read about Elijah. I mean, Elijah, he just had his greatest spiritual victory. He slained 850 false prophets. Not 400 like some believe. Go and read it. 800. If my memory serves me right, 400 of them were from Asahera and 400 were from Baal. 450 and 400. Boy, he just had his greatest victory. Then somebody brings news to him. Hey, Elijah, nobody told you Jesse is looking for you. Not Jesse the planters, Jezebel. He put on his Nikes, he hit the road. I need to get out of here. He go and lies under a juniper tree. He God, please let me die. God, please. I'm the only one that's left, God. Please let me die. And then, here comes Elisha. Do you think Elisha didn't know he ran away from Jezebel? But he was not interested in what happened. I'm not after what you have in the natural. I'm after what you have in the spiritual. And how many times do we not read where Elijah tried to get rid of Elisha? He said, Elisha, turn around. Stop following me. Turn around. Stop us. Elisha said, I'm sorry, I've got bad news for you. I am stuck to you like gum is stuck to a church pew. Have you noticed how difficult it is to get gum from a church? You almost need to have a hammer and chisel. 
He said, I'm stuck to you. Stop. Well, if you're pursuing me, you like my shadow. What do you want? I want what is in your spirit. I want a double portion of the anointing that you are carrying. I don't care that you ran away from Jezebel. I don't care that you went and lay under the juniper tree and wished to die. You've got something in your spirit. And I want you to transfer that something that you have in your spirit on my life. And you can go and study Elijah did seven miracles. Elijah did 14 miracles. And the 14th miracle he did as a dead man. I mean, can you imagine being as determined as Elisha was with Elijah, pursuing this man? He tried to get rid of you. He said, I want what you have in your spirit. I don't care that you work for the power plant. I don't care that you do this. I don't care. I know you have some areas in your life but you've got something in your spirit. And I need you to transfer what you have in your spirit. That's why you die. Because the double anointing was transferred. And they throw another corpse on your bones. And they're thinking they're having a funeral. And they put that corpse on your bones. And those bones say, untie me. I'm telling you, there will be nobody to untie. They will all be gone. You see, becoming spiritual sons and spiritual daughters unto the spiritual father. Church, hear me tonight. If we are going to see this work growing numerically, growing spiritually, and growing financially. And at the end of the day, see how God brings about that which He wants to accomplish in and through this body of believers for our benefit, but for His glory. We're going to have to have a change of attitude. I want to close. Becoming spiritual sons and spiritual daughters unto the spiritual father and mother God has given us. You see, God doesn't join people to a church. Let me explain. These four, five, six walls ain't the church. It's an organization called the Church of God, called the Assemblies of God. The day that you became born of the Spirit of God, you became part of the church. You are the church. So how can God add you to something that you are? So God doesn't join people to a church. I've asked a great number of people over the years, and I had the same experience in my early years as a pastor until I received these revelations. You see, God joins people to a dream. God joins people to a vision. But I would ask pastors, tell me, how many of the new people that said we want to become members of this church, how many of them have come to you? Let me first ask you, what was their reason? Now let me tell you what is the most common reasons why people join an organization called the church first. Well, we really liked your preaching, man. Wow. Never heard anything like that in all our life. Oh. You must be a gift from heaven to this body of believers. 
Second, oh, we just love the worship. Another one, oh, you know the hospitality, the friendliness of the people. But what we don't realize is God works with everything in seasons, everything. So when you came the first time, he might be in his spring season. I mean, everything he touches turns to gold. Even if he spits and it touches you, you heal. The same with the music. I mean, you know, when the praise team, wow, immediately there's a manifestation of God's presence. Wow. Same with the congregation. Three months down the road, they're no longer in their spring, but they're now in fall season or in summer. And we can't understand what's going on. He ain't preaching like he used to. No, he's preaching the same. He's in a different season because God is busy working on character. They are in the same season. They still sing the same thing. I mean, the only thing that's ever been between me and my singing career is my voice. But they're still doing the same. But they're in a different season. Same with the congregation. I say, Pastor, how many people have ever come and sat you down and say, we would like to become part of this church. Tell us what's the vision. Because that's what God joins you to. The dream of God. Not the organization. How many? None. I can drive you all the way up to Alto in Georgia. Jackie and Anita Addison, great couple, wonderful friends of mine. For many years, came to know them in 2004. They used to be uh, attending the Hollywood Church of God in the Hollywood area. And when they moved to the area where they live in now, I said, before you join any of these churches, as much as I would like for you to stay in the church of God, don't. If you cannot support the vision, sit with the pastor and ask him, what is the vision What is it that God wants to bring about in and through this body of believers for our benefit, but for His glory? And then decide, can I support it? Is this something that I would like to be, because that's what God's going to join you to. And now when you say, yes, He's got something to keep you accountable to. He can say to you now, remember when you sat me down and you shared, I shared with you. You said, this is something we can support. I mean, come on, God is not confused. So he will have you here for six, seven months and then he moves you down the road for six or seven months. And, and then he moves you to another place six or seven months. Come on, God ain't like a chameleon on an M&M pack. Hello. And we blame all these things on God. Well, you know, Pastor, there's nothing you did, but we just believe that God said it's time to move on. Where to? He then joined you to this vision. That's how church members operate. But spiritual sons and daughters say, when the going gets tough and the tough gets going, don't even look over your shoulder. We'll be there. We will be there. You can count on us. doesn't matter what storms we have to face because we decided we can support the vision. This is where we want to be. So I have a question. 
If you have to look at your own life tonight, are you a church member? Or are you a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter unto the spiritual father God has given you? I told them yesterday, we were eight siblings. I'm not as clever as the others, but I'm the most beautiful one of them all. My oldest and second oldest brother both passed. The brother who's now the oldest of the brothers, he's also a pastor. And there was one stage that he's, he was my pastor. Man, he drove me to tears. And so one day I sat with him in my late daddy's garage. I said, I need to speak to you. He said, about what? I said, you don't treat me the same way you treat the other councilmen. He said, what do you mean? And, and, and I have a small heart. I can break up just like that. And I said, they can make proposals and you will listen to them. When I just start, you shoot me down. He started to laugh. But he didn't start to laugh to humiliate me. He realized I did not understand that the spiritual father is more strict on a spiritual son than what he is on a church member. He might be more strict on you. Say, come on. You're not pulling your weight like you should do. And you think he's bossing you around. No. The father is always more strict on the son and daughter than what he is on the church member. So I'm going to ask him and his wife, I need two men other than him. I need two men to take this communion table and bring it up here for us, please. Two men, one can do it by himself. If you don't know who's a man or somebody doesn't look like a woman... And I'm going to ask Pastor Joss and his wife. They're going to serve your communion tonight. But it'll, all the way down here. She's coming. Okay. He might be young and he might not be as handsome as I am. But let me tell you something. This young man carries an anointing on his life. And the call he has, he received from God along with his wife. And so tonight, I don't want him to serve you all or them to serve you all as the pastors of this house. I want you to them to serve you all as the spiritual father and mother of this house. But you have to make the transition. You have to make the transition. God, I no longer want to be a church member. I want to be a spiritual son and a spiritual daughter unto this man and his wife. And then give them permission. You think my behind needs a whooping? You just put it there. You feel like you need to speak to me? Because you observe there are things in my life that ain't right. You just go ahead and do it. You just go ahead and do it. So we're just waiting on his wife. Do you need the mic, sir?
You good? And then when they're done, we're going to close the service. But we're not going to close in prayer. Because tomorrow night we're going to carry on. Is that okay with you all? Okay. Go ahead, Josh.